I fly out of a New England summer of lake swimming, watermelon, tomatoes, and fields of corn across the United States through San Francisco, where I board a second plane that will take me around the world to Auckland, New Zealand, 13,000 feet, 14 hours away in the Southern Hemisphere. It's a long, long flight over the Pacific, yet it feels quite familiar for I lived in Japan for 18 years and made yearly travels back home. It was in Japan that I found Buddhism, seeing a monk walking the back streets of Kyoto with such a glowing face that I wanted to know what he knew and how it could make him so happy. It was there that I started the daily meditation practice that has been a part of my life for 35 years. Japan was also a time of raising children, ending relationships, pursuing my art, multiple exhibitions, producing a book on the Japanese wax resist technique that I still practice. My Soto Zen studies were important too, but with my limited language facility, it was difficult to move further. And the idea of Buddhist ordination as a Western woman in Japan at that time seemed unattainable. Upon return to the United States, I found Triratna, a Western Buddhist order, where I could study the Dharma in English, have the support of a vibrant community, and undergo the training I needed for the next step. In June of 2009, I received ordination in the mountains of Spain with an international group of 17 women. I became Kiranada. Now I'm on an airplane at 36,000 feet, flying across the Pacific to a year of silence in the New Zealand bush while others snooze all around me. I look at what brought me here to this time in my life and many things come up. I've always been a searcher with an adventurous spirit, curious about nature, about people and their stories, about my own internal story and what motivates me. After multiple short solitaries of two to four weeks in length, the idea of a full year of solitary retreat intrigued me. But why now? A little over two years ago, I returned from a winter in Mexico with overwhelming responsibilities, preparation for a large solo exhibition, a new commission request, a car that was breaking down, still is, and a computer that had stopped dead. It was the computer and the car that did me in and had me thinking that it was time to reassess this busy lifestyle and go. I'd just come from a month's solitary retreat in Mexico. It had been disturbing but held much promise of future illumination. I sat down, looked at my life, and saw a new decade beginning in just two years. I knew that it would take me that long with careful planning to make it happen. Checking with family and colleagues, I made a plan to be off by July of 2014 for that long retreat to focus on my meditation practice, watch the birds, deal with any demons that came up, and be silent for a year. What would come of it? Work colleagues wondered if I might never come back. Family and friends worried if I would be safe. What I wanted was time for something that had been intriguing me since I was a child. It's 5.20 a.m. when the plane lands on a bright July day. 
It's deep winter, I'm told, <laughs> but a mild rainy one rather than the snowy chill of my home. In Auckland, I spend two nights in a women's Buddhist community, getting over jet lag, gathering supplies, seeing an old friend before I disappear for a year. The drive out of the city takes me through suburbs and a landscape of flat farmland. In an hour, I enter the Coromandel Peninsula. Its jagged peaks form a backdrop to the small town of Thames, formerly a gold mining village, now sleepy and quiet. At first, the road hugs the firth of Thames, but soon we turn off eastwards and up for 20 minutes between steep overlapping spurs covered in craggy deep green, overlooking the dark valley that I will call home for a year. We're unable to cross the river onto the Sudarshana Loka Buddhist retreat center's land because of a swift current from heavy rain. It's a typical occurrence here, I'm told, but a four-wheel drive vehicle is there to pick me up with my supplies, and we drive across and up, up along a rugged gravel road for 20 minutes to the small hut in the bush that I will use as a hermitage. I feel like Alice slipping through the looking glass. Again, I'm reminded by a local supporter, it's for a year and alone. <laughs> Who will I be when I come out? <laughs> will there be insights? Will there be troubles? I have no idea how hard it will be, but I'm ready. I've asked for this solitary confinement at Abaya Hut, Abaya whose name means fearlessness. I put my right hand up, palms facing forward, fingers rising to the sky in the mudra of fearlessness, this is Abaya, and step off that transport to walk that last quarter mile in. I step into darkness, overwhelming growth, tree ferns, perching lilies dangling above, Kauri, Rata, and Puriri trees, and dangling tangles of supplejack. This is a land I am so unfamiliar with. I walk into the dark of the bush, and then around a corner, and a small green hut appears, perched on a precipice, open to the Grand Valley below, sitting in the sun, home. I'm committed. I've been drawn since childhood to do this year alone, eager, curious to learn what might be presented to me. I'm looking for answers to the simple questions. What would happen if I sat in the high bush by myself for 12 months without the support of everyday distractions? Other more profound questions come up. Would I survive? Would I go mad? Would I continue to create would I discover new things? Who would be my teachers? Would my Buddhist studies and meditation support and ground me? Would my solitude allow me to find what that Japanese monk with the glow knew? I'm guided by words from my elders and carry these words with me into silence. Quote, from Henry David Thoreau. I went to the woods to live deliberately. And from Kobun Chino Roshi, 
When you realize how rare and how precious your life is, and how completely you are responsible for how you live it, how you manifest it, it's such a big responsibility that naturally such a person sits down for a while. (laughs) 